0: Hi, (laughs) Hi! it's nice to be with you, this is my first time doing this, so um, it's, you know, it's such a gift, Rachel said, everybody gets to play, and it's a special thing to be a part of a community that will invite ordinary people to share um, on a Sunday morning, so I'm just very privileged to be a part of this community. and one thing you should know about me is that I love sermons that include a lot of stories and personal testimony and just talking about what's God, what God is doing um, in our lives specifically. So I do find it somewhat, um, I still kind of have some inhibitions about self-disclosure. It's a little bit awkward, but I'm going to push through that because I really feel like, um, for me at least, it's one way that the Holy Spirit has really, um, just moved in my heart and in my life. So I want to just I just pray that the Holy Spirit will Use kind of my personal um, Story to encourage you and to bless you So I titled this talk um, Drawing on the law of love through a rich inner life in that second phrase a rich inner life I saw a bumper sticker <laughs> that said ask me about my rich inner life <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious uh but also that it just kind of captivated my imagination because i thought you know as an introvert um and somebody who really loves um talking about jesus and and sharing um i just want people to ask me about my rich inner life (laughs) so um i know you didn't exactly ask but i'm going to share with you today um the first part drawing on the law of love um that is gonna make more sense in, in, after we read the passage. And I've actually invited um, my wonderful husband, best friend, to read the passage for us today. We're gonna to read Matthew, and we are still working on Matthew. <laughs> we're still, so we're, and, we, and actually we're kind of skipping around a little bit, but he's gonna read Matthew five for us.
1: Morning. So starting in verse 17, do not come. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of he- heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again anyone who says to a brother or sister raka is answerable to the sanhedrin and anyone who says you fool will be danger will be in danger of the fire of hell therefore if you are offering your gift at the altar and there's and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you leave your gift there in front of the altar first go and be reconciled to that person then come and offer your gift settle matters quickly with your adversary was taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary might hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and then you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny.
0: Thank you. Um, So you can go to the next slide. So there's really no getting around the fact that Jesus is setting some very high expectations in this passage. And um, I want to frame these expectations around the idea of um, the law is love. And so, you know, this top bar here Is the bar that Jesus sets for us as the law of love. And he's, you know, obviously we are um, not nearly what the Pharisees were if we think about the law in terms of the religious rules of the day. Um, But if we think about this idea of the law of love, um, you know. We, can, we have to understand that embedded in this idea of high expectations, there's a promise. A promise that we can fulfill the law of love. We cannot, you know, obviously the Pharisees were perfectionistic in, their, in the way that they approached the law. And I would pose to you that that is not the, the way that Jesus encourages us to reach those expectations very clearly not about perfectionism. Um, and I wanna, so because of something that Jesus says later on in Matthew, you can go to the next slide. Um, this is where I kind of arrive at this idea that really what the law and the prophets is, is about love. Um, he's talking to, this is Matthew 22, and he's talking to the Pharisees again, and they're you know, testing him. <clears throat> And they ask him what the greatest commandment is. And I'm sure you know this is a very um, popular scripture. Um, and he replies, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. And he uses that same phrase again. All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So the bottom line here is that Jesus wants us to know that he expects us to be able to obey the law of love. And we also know that it's impossible to do this on our own through perfectionism. And it has to be an act of grace. It is something that is a God-initiated act. Um, It's an entire overhaul and transformation of our souls and our hearts. Um, And we didn't uh, go all the way through the rest of Matthew 5, but he talks about a lot of um, conditions of the heart, and you can go to the next slide. But basically, all of those those things that he's um, suggesting that um, we should have really high standards on, are essentially a lack of love in our hearts. So when we say, you fool, it's on the same continuum as murder, right? It's, it's the lower end, but it's the same heart condition where we become annoyed and frustrated with our loved ones and our neighbors. We have disagreements and conflicts, um, and we, have, we objectify people, and we have desires that are out of control. All of those things, are a result of a heart condition that is depleted of love is is dry of love so the question then becomes how do you overhaul your soul and this is obviously something that god initiates in us it is an act of grace god god overhauls our souls but we can create the right conditions we can um set ourselves up to receive grace so I'm gonna use some imagery and you can go to the next slide from this book that I've been reading um she Teresa of Avila there's a lot of St. Teresa's she's the one from Spain in the 1500s and she writes a book uh, about her life and somebody had so the people around her had invited her to describe what her rich inner life was because she was experiencing, um, you know, she was a mystic, and she had a very rich prayer life. And so she uses the imagery of a, a bucket. So I'm using a, I have a visual aid here. And I, I, I find this charming. I really like old-fashioned things and, like, pre-industrial um, technology. So, you know, back in the day, the only way to really um, draw water was to dip a bucket into a very, you know, deep hole and and get the groundwater to come up. And so she says, you know, our souls are gardens. I got to spend some time with June in her garden last week, and it's, um, you know, she has a beautiful garden. And our souls, you know, without love, when we, when we don't have love, it's a very dry, arid place. And, um, but God wants to cultivate within our souls uh, a, a lush, you know, verdant place with all of these you know, beautiful flowers. And you can go to the next slide. You know, she talks about it in terms of the virtues. And again, this is so old fashioned, I love it. Um, prudence, fortitude, justice, and temperance. You know, these words, I think, have fallen out of our vocabulary, so I'm not going to, like, try to define them. But if you go to the next slide, this is my modern-day interpretation of what those words um, mean. So courageous leadership, justice, and patience. These are the virtues, and I use that, John, I I love that phrase. I have really adopted that phrase in my life. Um, So thank you for introducing that phrase. Um, so these are the these are the flowers. This is what God wants to cultivate in our souls, but we need water. We have to have access to water, because if you um, even if you, you know go to Lowe's and buy some annuals and try to put them in the ground, like if you don't have water, they're gonna they're going to die. So <clears throat> this is where I kind of want to just talk about my journey and share a little bit about. Kind of a period of my life when I was very dry, and how God enabled me to access water. And the water is, you know, you could think of it different ways. The water is um, the peace and the joy that you experience from intimacy with God, it's, um, it's the Holy Spirit moving in your life, it's love, it's, it's the law of love welling up within. so you know uh, this is probably five or six years ago we were in the old building um over at the high school and i was just in a season of life where i was very dry and there were times where you know we would be doing prayer ministry after the service and i would i was in a very passive uh stage i I call it my post idealistic stage um (laughs) I, i don't know exactly what happened to me but you know, I settled down into life. I was a mom and just working a, a very routine job, and it wasn't what I I had really you know dreamed of when I was a, a young person, just on fire for Jesus. And um, I'm sure some things, specific things, happened to get me to this place. But it was a very dry season, In a, and during prayer ministry time, I would often feel that a little bit of a nudge, you know, to go get prayer, and I would um, just not just not do it, just not kind of listen to that, uh, prompting. And, uh, and when I was, so in my youth I was involved with the campus ministry and that was really where I became a Christian in college and just loved, um, doing ministry with students. In fact, I moved to a college town after I graduated and I spent three years kind of doing ministry um, at the College of Worcester, but I hadn't really been consistently, like, participating in that for several years. And so, yeah, about five or six years ago, my friend, um, who I was partnering in ministry with, invited me to go to a conference and minister to the students there. So there was a, an evening where you had, you know, a message and, and music and worship, and then afterward there was prayer ministry. And so where in my normal life, I was very passive and wouldn't have necessarily, like, stepped into that, I had been invited into this space where I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing prayer ministry now. (laughs) And it was just a a kind of a re-tapping into the water. You know, I was kind of dipping my bucket into the water again in a new way. And um, it gave me a taste of prayer ministry again that was just kind of, like, started my soul down a path of really like being thirsty for water again and um, at that time uh, Kim invited another Kim invited us to be a part of the School of Kingdom ministry and um, Monica and I uh, and Dave uh, who passed last year we were part of that ministry together and it was just a like kind of a consistent way to draw water every week you know and there's like lots of um, learning that we did throughout the week, too, in between our sessions, but you know, doing ministry on the streets—we would go down to the, you know, Broad and High and, and pray for people in that way. And I think that what's what's interesting about the analogy of drawing water is that, for me at least, trying to draw water on my own was very. Sometimes I would come up dry. You know, I would drop my bucket down in, and it would, and I would not be accessing the water in the way that I wanted to. But when I was praying for other people and I was engaged in prayer ministry, um, that was a way for me to access water. And um, so I just, uh, it really started to do, this. you know, this transformation was happening in my soul, you know, and I I actually went through the uh, faith walking course after that, and that was um, the, uh, it's now called emotional focus. And I was, um, I think it's called that. Um, and So when I, I went through that, and that season was um, kind of a crazy uh, season where God was helping me to um, rethink uh, my vocation. And so all that aridness that I had felt, like I called it at the time, vocational barrenness, where just, there was no fruit. There was no fruit in my life. And, um, and I will say, like, the fruit that, or the, you know, the the flowers, or the fruit, or, you know, the the outgrowth of this, of this garden, um, it's painful. (laughs) It was really painful, like, transitioning out of a, of a job and into, um, an unknown space that, um, you know, I cried a lot. Like it was—it was a bitter, not bitter. It wasn't bitter, but I—I I mean, it was a deeply painful um, tearing away of the old. <laughs> but God really brought me into a place where um, I was able to work, do vocation. Like I was not in ministry, um, but I was doing. I had a vocation where I really felt like these virtues could be, were being manifested in my soul. Um, it, and you know, I, I have, um, so my job right now, I work for the Children's Defense Fund and I got to be a part of a campaign to change, you know, to create a new policy. And it really was like a blessing in the sense that we, I got to partner with the Holy Spirit to pursue justice on earth, to pursue the kingdom of God on earth. And um, we established, so when youth are in foster care and they're not being treated well or if their rights are being violated, um, and this is coming from students who've been in foster care and partnering with them and talking about their, this was what they thought needed to change. If if their concerns were being dismissed, um, they would uh, be stuck. And I think, you know, God is the defender of the poor and the vulnerable, right? He's the defender of the orphan. And what we were able to do was create an office that if a youth is in that experience, is having that experience, there's a, now a statewide office so that they have a place to go to report their concerns and it will be investigated. And so all of this happened in these three years, like in the last three years. Um, and I just really feel like it was a, a Holy Spirit movement of of growing this garden in my life where I could pursue justice through courageous leadership and trust me it required a lot of patience <laughs> and all of that is, is love that's, that's what the Holy Spirit really wants to do in our lives is to grow these virtues um, so I think what um You know, the the key takeaways, I guess, um, in in my story are that I think that drawing water on your own is hard. So we have an opportunity every week. We create a sacred space here. And I love that we hold Sunday mornings sacred and and come. And, And this is a place where we draw water. This is where we have access to the love and the Holy Spirit that grows virtues in our hearts. And so, you know, my invitation is that our time of prayer ministry would be a sacred time. And so if you're, you know, not necessarily ready to either go up to the, you know, go up and ask somebody for prayer or to pray for somebody, my invitation is just hold it sacred, you know, and and be in the space of um, inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to you. My other invitation is, if you're coming up dry, you know, that's why we're here. That's why. That's why we. That's why I come up, and I'll say it's a little bit like um, selfish, right? Because I like to draw water for people. Because when I'm praying for somebody, I feel the Holy Spirit in a way that um, is a blessing to me. So, if you're ever nervous about it, and you don't have to say anything specific, you don't have to say, "Oh, I have a." You know x y or z like all we're really asking for is for the holy spirit to just allow us to feel god's blessing Like i just need to be i just need to feel blessed today i just need to feel that jesus is close by me today it can just be as simple as that um so that's the second invitation is that you really would like draw water with someone huh? give somebody the opportunity to draw water with you um, and then, of course, the um, invitation to be a part of the prayer ministry training and I will say you don 't have to be a verdant garden right you 're not going because you 're already a verdant garden you're going because um, you know it's an invitation to draw water with people in a, in a different way um, so you know i'm I'm excited uh, june and and Rachel and I are going to um, hang out, and I'd love to just spend time with you. If you don't ever end up going to pray for people, even, even if you just want to, like, be with people in the afternoon, we would love that. Um, the other thing that's really, uh, I will say, about St. Teresa is that the al- analogy of the bucket is the beginning stages of prayer. So we're all novices, I would say, compared to a saint. <laughs> so we're, we're drawing water uh, through a well, which is very laborious, right? You can imagine pulling water up, it's heavy, right? Um, and what she says is that at some point, if we do the work, if we're priming that pump, um, the later stages, God just rains down on us and we get to experience that rain of the holy spirit that just saturates the whole garden we don't have to do all the work and you know i think about the story of the gospel right and the and the climax often is the um, is the cross, you know is the is the death and the resurrection of, of Jesus and that's true that is definitely a climax in in the story but god i I don't think jesus wanted to leave it there he wants us to be flourishing gardens he wants us to pursue justice on earth and he wants to rain down on us he wants us to experience the, the the holy spirit filling our lives so that we are obeying the law of love in our daily lives and doing amazing things for, for the orphans and the, um, the people in our world that need our love. So the climax, I think, is coming in a couple weeks. You know, Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. He didn't set the bar that high to leave us, you know, as passive, post-idealists, cynical in a broken world. You know, he says that the expectation is that high because he's promised us an indwelling of the Holy Spirit and a raining down of the Holy Spirit. So my exhortation is that over the next couple of weeks, draw water, use your bucket, use your friends to draw water with you. And then when we come together on Pentecost, let's just pray, let's pray for rain. Let's pray that we would all become these rich, beautiful gardens. So um, I'm going to close by saying um, we're going to have some time of music. So I don't know if the team wants to come back up and and start that process. Um, And we're going to do communion. And just to say that, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he um, he told us a story, and he used the imagery of bread and wine, and embedded in that as a promise that we can be rich, verdant gardens. So he, you know, he gave the he gave his disciples the bread, and he said, "This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me." And he took the cup and he gave it. He said, drink this in remembrance of me. So as we come to the table today, come with expectation that your heart will be well watered. And um yeah, just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come today? And if the people doing communion want to come up, um, Holy Spirit, we just love your water. It's so quenching and um It's all we need. It's all we need in the world. So would you just come and um, have your way with us?
1: In Jesus' name.